You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to The Ride In DFS and Betting podcast for the 2022 Waste Management Phoenix Open. Welcome if you're new, right? So the the betting card kind of went a little viral this week because of, of how well it did. Um, woke up to probably about a thousand new followers overnight um, from Sunday night into Monday. So that was pretty cool. If you're one of those people that are brand new to the show, welcome. We've been here. We've been winning. Glad you're aboard. Tom Hoagie, affectionately known on this podcast for the last few years as Tom the Cheesesteak Hoagie. You know, because I'm from a little bit north of Philly. I'm not going to say I'm from Philly, but Pennsylvania, northern-ish. I'm a hoagie guy. I say hoagie. Not sub, not hero, not grinder. I say hoagie. Tom Hoagie, you know, we hit a first-round leader on him a couple years ago, but he is, he's the man, as far as I'm concerned. I had my doubts. He doubled on Sunday early, thought he was out of it, came roaring back. Spieth didn't have the magic that he normally does. He kind of coughed it up. Hoagie just starts slapping greens on the back, makes that huge putt, and... You know, just ice in his veins, gets it done for us. The rest of the card was was really solid as well. I think I only lost two bets on the whole card, right? So, Joel Damon comes top 10 and top 20 for us. Hoagie, who we had the outright on, comes top 10 and top 20 for us. Troy Merritt comes top 10, top 20 for us. And Christian Bizidin, who, again, for like the fourth week in a row, wins top South African for us. Kevin Streelman did not hit the top 10. And my man Austin Smotherman, out of nowhere, RKO out of nowhere, Austin Smotherman, he was tied, he was in solo second at one point late Saturday. Um, And we had an outright on him. He ended up falling back to like 30th or something like that. But keep an eye out on Austin Smotherman. He rated out extremely well on this course and he showed why. Played really, really well. Uh, As far as rating out, I mean, the model was on point again. Hoagie was third, Damon was fourth, Merritt was ninth. Obviously, everybody's model had Cantley up there. But, I mean, the model last week looked like the leaderboard. Um, Outside of Jordan Spieth, because Jordan Spieth has played not well, pretty much bad, um, over his last however many rounds. So... You know, he wasn't there, but pretty much everybody else that was at the top of the leaderboard, um, the model knew. It knew. And the model's been awesome for the last five weeks. I'm going to talk about the mixed condition model in a second, but Cam Smith, we hit an outright on him at the Tournament of Champions. He was first in the model. Hideki Matsuyama runs down Russell Henley at the Sony. He was 10th in the model. Hudson Swafford was the only one who was 29th. He wasn't, I mean, you know, you're not really going to derive much from that. But um, Luke List was 5th. And then 
Tom Hoagie was third. So the model has, the top 10 has four wins out of five. We almost do too, right? We have the Cam Smith outright. We have Russell Henley losing in a playoff at the Sony. We have Will Zalatoris losing in a playoff to Luke List. And then we have um, Hoagie last week. We're like an inch away. And like those, Henley and Zalatoris were the guys leading who missed putts to have to go to a playoff. Probably like two inches away from having four of the first five outrights. That's enough patting myself on the back. But I do want to say like when you hear people talk about their models and creating their models, I feel like I'm putting a little bit more time and effort into creating a model. Um, Normally you just hear like, you know, I put in 20% approach, 20% off the tee, 10% around the green, 10% putting, etc, etc. But it's not a mixed condition model. And on Fantasy National, they let you mix conditions. And what I mean by that is you can put multiple rounds into a stat, meaning you know, when you hear someone say that their model, they're probably using the last 24 rounds or the last 36 rounds or the last 50 rounds. With a mixed condition model, I can look at approach. I can put into the model approach in the last 12 rounds, the last 24 rounds, the last 36 rounds, and the last 50 rounds for a little bit of a percentage, right? And that's normally what I do. You know, I can put course history into the model. I could put recent form into the model. And really anyone can, right, in the mixed condition model on Fantasy National. But I don't know if, if everybody takes the time. It's very time consuming, right? Instead of just clicking the, the six stats you want and then running a model for 24 rounds, you have to go and you have to, you know, put fast putting in like I did this week, right? That takes a couple different clicks, takes a couple minutes just to put that in. And then, you know, to put the proximity range is 150 to 175 for the last 12 rounds and for the last 36 rounds and for the last 50 rounds. So basically I'm creating almost like a rolling report of statistics over the last 50 rounds. But as the rounds are nearer to the current day, they are weighted a little bit heavier. That's all I have to say about that. Um, I just think the model, you know, the system that I've created on Fantasy National for making my model has been solid. We'll put it at that. We'll leave it at that. Phoenix, you know, everybody loves this tournament. It's a raucous environment. Um, it is a par 71. It has three reachable par fives. So we're definitely going to look at guys that can make eagles. You definitely have to score on those par fives to contend this week. The greens are Bermuda, however, they are overseeded with bent grass. I think there are um, some some POA. It's a whole complex, and I did not even attempt to guess or bake that into the model. What I did was put putting on fast greens uh, into the model because... If you look on Fantasy National, every single year, the greens are fast on the stint at waste management. So we're looking at guys who are good putters on fast surfaces. Some people have come to the conclusion that the greens at Phoenix just level the playing field because no one can really get a great read. And that's why we've seen people like Kyle Stanley win, who's an excellent ball striker and a terrible putter. 
That's why we've seen guys like Hideki Matsuyama win, who's a really good ball striker, not a great putter. And that could be the case. Um, But I think there definitely is something to be said for guys that are good putters on fast surfaces. If you've you know, if you've been to like your local Muni and then you get invited to uh, the country club, there's a difference. There's a big difference. It's a different skill. You know, you have to kind of roll the ball a little bit different. So I think that I, I'm i going to look at it just a little bit fast putting. So what do we think about when we think about Phoenix? I think about some of the memorable, hole, memorable holes, right? 16 is probably the one that most people will think about. You know, the stadium seating, par three, raucous, like I said. You know, everybody's screaming if you hit the green. Um, Just crazy. It's like a party atmosphere. Three decks of people just staring at you, screaming. Um, And it gets kind of raunchy. It gets kind of wild. Mac Hughes had a lady take her boobs out and lay them on the railing while he was putting. He had to step off the putt. Um, You know, know, she had her silicone sandbags right on the railing. At the event, you can Google it. Breasts out, you know, just right on the 16th green. Wild stuff. Um, so it, it's a different atmosphere. And some people are trying to handicap which golfers can handle that atmosphere, right? Like, I mean, I'm just trying to think of like a baby-faced kid, like maybe Will Zalatoris. He's not in the field this week, but just as an example, maybe Will Zalatoris, you know, doesn't can't get it going at waste management because of of that environment. I'm personally not handicapping, you know, which players can and can't handle uh, the the Phoenix atmosphere because it's unlike any other for the most part. But what other holes do we have? We have the par five uh, with the green, basically on an island, uh, and you can go for it. You could lay up. If you miss hit, you know, you, you may get into the water. It is a typical TPC where you can go low or you can make a ton of mistakes because there is a lot of water. You know, it's a desert course. You could hit your ball and be amongst the red rocks of, of the Arizona desert. So can can really score or you can really go backwards. Um, there's also probably my favorite hole is the par 17. Excuse me, par 4, 17th, drivable. Right, it's where Brooks chipped in last year to basically win the thing. Um, water lurking left, everything kind of rolls off the green. Poor Ollie Schneider Jens a few years ago was on the green and putted his ball into the water right off the green. Um, so just there, this is a very very fun tournament, right? We're gonna see some guys score. We're gonna see some great shots. Um, we're going to see guys take chances. I love it. Let's talk about the guys I'm considering for my outrights. The card will probably be out at some point tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, the first guys that jumped off the page to me were Vic. Saw him at 20 to 1 on DraftKings when they first dropped that line. I did not pull the trigger at that moment, but I did end up betting him at 18 about two hours later. I mean, it's two points, whatever. I did say that I think that there's going to be a first-time winner at this event this year. I think there's a a lot of guys that have a really good shot at winning that haven't before, at least on the PGA Tour, right? Scotty Scheffler, 32 to 1. Matthew Fitzpatrick, 50 to 1. Mito Pereira, 
been playing really well. Kind of struggled a little bit last week, but he's 150 to 1. Aaron Wise is 100 to 1. Louie, despite this being his first tournament of the year, I think he is due for a dub. Um, has played well here in the past. So between all those guys, I already have Vic. Um, I'm thinking about Russell Henley. Uh, he's still being floated around 55 at one of the books I'm looking at. Between Vic and those six guys that I just mentioned, I'll probably end up with five or six of them. Just make sure you keep your eyes peeled on the Twitter feed for the final card. Let's talk about DraftKings and place bets. Now, if you guys are new to the show, usually the guys that get my place bets um, either are an outright bet and I'm just, you know, I know I really think they're going to do well. Um, there's really not many each ways here in, in Pennsylvania or really in the States. I know Bet Rivers sometimes offers them. Sometimes I'll do that. But, you know, just betting a guy outright and then adding a top 10 as somewhat of a hedge for a good day, but he doesn't get it done is something that I do. We did it with Hoagie, Damon, and Troy Merritt last week, and they, they all cashed, uh, thankfully. So those guys, Fitzpatrick, Scheffler, Hen- Henley, Mito, Aaron Wise, guys that I'll all be looking at, top 10s, top 20s. Um, final card will be out on Twitter. All right, let's talk model. Let's talk model. Um... This is a strong model, and by that I mean, you know, most of the guys that landed in the top 10 are really good players, world-class players, so I won't be surprised if the winner comes from the top 10 again here. I don't know how many I'll have, though, uh, in my betting card, to be honest. One is Rom, two is Hovland, three is Berger, four is JT, Luke List staying strong in the model with his strong play at five. Henley is six, just an immaculate ball striker. Striker is always going to be somewhere near the top of my model as long as he keeps striking the ball so well. Cantley is seven. Mito comes in at eight, right? And that's kind of why uh, my interest is peaked this week in betting some Mito, playing some Mito on DraftKings. Hideki Matsuyama is nine. Louis Oosthuizen is 10th. Tom Hoagie comes 11th. Scotty Scheffler is 12th. Somehow Jason Duffner lands at 13, Taylor Gooch is 14, Aaron Wise is 15. So in this model is, uh, and it's it's kind of approach heavy, um, so I have strokes gained approach, opportunities gained. Par 5 scoring uh, with a mix of eagles gained. I have the proximities, meaning you know where the most iron shots come from. Baked in, I have the yardage uh, of the most common holes baked in. I have some fast putting, some current form, and some course history. I also looked at good drives gained because, you know, you can bomb the ball here, right? You could just let it rip. However, you don't want guys that are very wayward off the tee just because things can get tricky. Like you can make an you can make an eight on this course if you go too far left, too far right. Could get a little could get dicey um, with the trouble lurking off the beaten path, so to speak. So I did put a little bit of good drives gained in there. All stats are 
weighted in terms of their recency, right? So I go from recent all the way to back to 50 rounds. And, you know, the further back you go, the less weight that statistic carries. So JT and Hideki are going to be my favorite on DraftKings. Those, I mean, they land in the top 10, but that's merely ownership play, I think. Um, I mean, JT is solid, right? He is, he's eighth in approach, fourth in opportunities gained. He plays par fives well. He's second in the most common uh, proximity distance. He plays TPCs well. He's played here well. Um, and, And, you know, he plays the par four, 450 to 500 yards. He's number one. Uh, long-term, number two in recent form. So, I mean, I just think JT will be low-rostered. Um, you know, it's craziness, right? I have I work a daytime job, have kids, so I don't necessarily always get my finger on the pulse of what people are thinking and saying each week. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I'll open up DraftKings and JT will be 20% owned. I don't know. But I think... Relative to, you know, I think guys are going to be on Rom. Guys are going to be on Vic. Guys are going to be on Cantlay. I like those guys too, but at that top range, my priorities are JT. My priority is Hideki. He just eats this course alive. He's a previous winner. He's in good form. He just won a month ago. I mean, he's a good par five scorer. All the things that I was looking at, you know, 150 to 175. Proximity to the hole, he's seventh. I just think JT and Hideki at the top, their odds of, of winning this tournament won't be reflected in their in their rostership percentage on DraftKings, period. Um, so that is why they'll be my, my favorites at the top there. Uh, for the 9K range, I like Daniel Berger and I like Scotty Scheffler. So Berger may, people may go light on Berger just because of his back issues, right? There's something wrong. He's stretching out two weeks ago on the green. People were worried. He withdraws last week. He's in the field this week. If he doesn't withdraw, obviously keep your eyes on your lineups Thursday morning. He's first in approach, short term. He's first in approach, long term. He's third and second in the two proximity ranges. He's played this course well. He's in good recent form. He hits the fairway. I mean, Berger sets up extremely well for this course. I think the only reason people are afraid is that they think he has a back injury. And maybe he tweaked his back three weeks ago, which is why it was hurting two weeks ago at Torrey. It was hurting last week at Pebble. But, I mean, these guys are athletes. They get the the rehab, and the stim that they need. If it's a strained lower back muscle, he can overcome that in two or three weeks. I don't mind Daniel Berger whatsoever. Then we go to Scotty Scheffler. You want to talk about gaining strokes off the tee? Like when I said you can let it rip here, um, you could. I mean, like you can you can drive the par three, the par four 17th and potentially have an eagle putt. You can go for every single par 5 green. Scotty Scheffler will 100% do that. Um, Sometimes he can get wayward with his driver, but I'm willing to overlook that on DraftKings for his 
his ranking of fifth in par five scoring. And we know Scheffler can go on these birdie streaks, right? Like he can have an eight or nine under round pretty easily. It's been like the one round a tournament that's kind of cost Scheffler, but I still like him in that range. Um, So those are my four guys like at the very top. In the 8K range, Matthew Fitzpatrick. I mean, we already talked about him potentially being an outright. He is, I think where where Fitzpatrick is going to kind of shine is his putting, right? And like if fast putting is something here. Now, some people may think that it's not a thing, right? Decky won here, Kyle Stanley won here. You don't really need to be a good putter. Maybe you don't. But he is a very good putter on fast surfaces. He gains strokes off the tee. And he is probably, I mean, outside of John Rahm, the best scorer on par fives. Like Matthew Fitzpatrick will probably be in for some eagles this week. Are there some issues? Sure, he's never played here before. That's an issue. This will be, I mean, he had a nice finish last week. So you can kind of say that he's in decent form, even though it was one tournament. Um, so, I mean, Fitzpatrick not being talked about, and he also falls into that, that bucket of, you know, he's, it's a, he's a first timer here and, you know, first timers have, haven't necessarily, you know, this isn't a course where you look at it and say the first, you know, you have to play here a few times before you can get a win. You know, guys have played well on their first go around. Um, This is a course where some of the same guys always repeat at the top of the leaderboard. So those guys definitely do have a little bit of an advantage, but it doesn't strike out the the guys that haven't played here before. So I like Matthew Fitzpatrick from that range. I also like Adam Scott. Um, Anytime precision accuracy with the irons is in play, Adam Scott is as well. So he's 10th from approach, 7th from the the par 4 range. We all know that he's been um, one of the better putters, really, on tour since he figured out the long putter. You know, kind of went, you know, absolutely off the wall with putting um, in the middle of his career. But has kind of righted the ship. Just a really good iron player, good par 5 scorer. Uh, I mean, I think Adam Scott is a solid play here at Phoenix. And then Tom Hoagie. What can I say about Tom Hoagie? He comes 11th in the model. He is just unbelievable from approach. Um, When he's grooving it, he's grooving it. Listen, I mean, if we're going by his current pattern of of performance, he's probably going to, to miss the cut, to be honest. You know, he's gone miss cut. T4, miscut, T2, miscut, win the whole damn thing. So he's probably going to miss the cut here. If he plays next week at Riv, probably win the, win again. I mean, that's just an easy, simple mathematical pattern to Tom Hoagie's game. But I do like Tom Hoagie. I think people shy away from the previous week's winner, right? They'll be like, oh, there's no way he could play that well again. On DraftKings, give me some more Tom Hoagie. That's fine. Let's talk about the 7K range. And the 7K range is where a ton of my lineups are going to kind of have the the meat and potatoes. 
just because 7K range is large, right? Like there's only a couple guys in the 10K range, a couple guys in the 9K range, a little bit more in the 8K range. 7K range is meaty, and there's definitely some guys in there that I really like. The first one being Max Homa. Um, and, you know, disappointed a little bit so far. He only ranks 52 in the model currently, but he's a very good par 5 scorer, always has been. Um, it's not just like a recent thing. He's always been a really good par 5 scorer, Max Homa, and it's one of the, the key things that I looked at. He also doesn't back down in big fields. You know, like some of these guys are only contending when the field is weak. Max Homa has contended, has won in pretty pretty stacked fields. So I like Homa. Um, Keegan, more along the lines of the very good ball striker, can't putt, right? He falls into that Kyle Stanley, Hideki Matsuyama category. So Keegan rates out decently well. Joel Damon... Um, another guy that can score on par fives. I trust him. I think he's in good form. Um, the bucket hat, man. He cashed us the top 10 and the top 20 last week, kind of rolling with just momentum there with Damon. He looked really good. Um, you know, putted fairly well, struck the heck out of the ball like him. Cage Lee's going to be popular. I just wanted to mention him because he, this is, you know, he plays really well at this course. Um, I have no problem fading KH Lee if you think he's just going to be too out of this world rostered um, for him to make any difference, you know. And then, like, you know, here, here's the benefit to fading KH Lee. If, like, 17% of the field has KH Lee in their lineup, bang, you're cutting almost a fifth of the of the rosters out once he misses the cut. Um, Runox. I'm not even sure if I already mentioned Runox. I'm absolutely losing my mind. That's what happens when you have a one-year-old that sleeps for about an hour and a half at a time. Um, so we'll, we'll, I'm not even sure if I talked about Rue Knox, but let's talk about Russell Knox. He's top 20 in approach. He's top 20 in the par four distances. He's top 20 in long-term approach. He hits the fairway. He's played well here. You know, he's had somewhat of success here in the past. Um, you know, he's shown that he can play Phoenix decently well, and he's in okay form, right? He's he's a guy that, I don't love Runox to like win the whole thing, but if he ends up like making a couple birdies on the back nine on Sunday to finish T9, I would not be shocked at all. So I like Russell Knox in that 7K range. And the last guy is Taylor Gooch. I mean, Taylor Gooch is kind of like, oh no, I'm sorry. We have a few more in the 7K range. Keith Mitchell. If you're sensing a theme here, it's par 5 scores. It's guys who gain strokes off the tee. And it's guys who have played fairly well recently. That's kind of the angle I'm taking. I mean, obviously there is emphasis on approach guys as well. Um, But Keith Mitchell will be a part of the player pool. Luke List, I mean, he comes in at 5 in the model. He's striking the ball really, really well. He, I don't want to say he falls into that Keegan, Kyle Stanley, you know, Emiliano Grillo, great putter, or excuse me, oh gosh, complete opposite, great ball striker, bad putter, but he does, you know, so, um, and he's he's got all the juice going, so I like Luke List, and the 
last person in the 7K range is, is Taylor Gooch. I mean, Taylor Gooch does not deserve to be in that 7K range. There's really nothing statistically that jumps out. He's, I mean, he's had success. He had success in the swing season. Uh, he, had, he normally has success on the West Coast. I like Gooch. I'll have him in my lineups, especially because I think he'll go overlooked as well. Guys in the 6K range, uh, Hudson Swafford came out 21st in the model. He's 13th in approach, 8th in opportunities gained, solid enough in par 5 scoring, 5th from the proximity, those that iron range, 19th in current form, like he's playing well. He gains strokes off the tee. Um, I, I don't really see much, you know, Swafford's not usually a, a good putter, so I guess you could put him in the, the good ball striker, par 5 score, not a good putter range. Uh, Garrick Higo, South African. Garrick Higo, young young gun, might be a little bit spooked by the atmosphere at Phoenix, but just six K is is just too cheap for him. Duffner, I did mention that he's thirteenth in the model. Um, it's really because you know most of his scorable rounds go back to when he played well earlier last season, but um, I'll throw him in there just. In case, James Hahn, um, he's more of a course history, course form play. He has played well. Uh, he ranks 35th in the model, another good par 5 score, another terrible putter. But he's he's top 20 in, in strokes gained here at Phoenix, so I don't mind James Hahn. The last guy in that range I'll probably have a little bit of is Sebastian Munoz. Um, he rates out well from that iron distance. Um, you know, I, I just it just struck me that he he's down in that 6K range and he has the range of outcomes to be, you know, like we mentioned with a Russell Knox. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Sebastian Munoz misses the cut, but I also won't be surprised if he's the first round leader and he ends up like T12 when everything is said and done. So I don't mind Sebastian Munoz. He comes out at, he comes in the 60s in the model, so nothing great, but um Munoz was definitely on my radar just for his range of outcomes, maybe a first round leader bet type thing. All right. That will do it for the ride in DFS and betting podcast. Betting card will be out shortly on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Welcome aboard. Whether you've been with me for the last five years or today's your first show, let's go win some money.